start of the sermon, and your sermon will record. That's all there is to it. It's pretty good. Um, I do have some clipboards that I will pass out here. Uh, they are for nursery sign-ups primarily. One of them is for Sunday school. We're signing up for two-week blocks. If there are no toddlers, then the teacher's in here with us uh, today. Uh, and then there is nursery work during the worship service. So if you are willing to do that, to sign up for a two-week block, uh, that would be great. Uh, there. Um, I'll start it here. They can go this way, and then Tracy, if you want to get to it. Debbie, if you want to drive back. I mean, Keith drove, Keith drove, what, 200 miles to do, do body work. Also, we have, uh, we have one more spot for uh, cleaning. Uh, October 31st, if somebody would be willing to take that. So that's the administrivia. Uh, last week, we whizzed through days two through five and a half, so about halfway into day six. Uh, uh, we looked at how God made spaces and God filled the spaces. Um, we did not talk about uh, evolution. We did touch a little bit on the day-age thing, but as we read contextually and as we compare it with the rest of Scripture, we see that the rest of Scripture seems to think that these six days are six days. Like six days. Um, some people will argue that, well, they didn't understand then, they were stupider than we are today, and so that's just how they wrote it, so they would understand. That's arrogant. That's hubris, great word, I love that word, hubris. Uh, it's just historical hubris. We think we're smarter because we're further along the timeline. <laughs> There are things we do know. I mean, we got airplanes, they didn't. But um, that is not to say that they were stupider and God had to make his word less true. That would make him <coughs> deceitful. Or not a very good communicator. So there, there's just all kinds of problems where we start when we start to twist and contort this. We didn't talk about evolution. We looked a lot, or we, we emphasized the word kinds. God made the trees and the plants of the field according to their kind. God made the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and the critters that walked on the ground according to their kind. And so what place within Genesis chapter 1 does evolution have? It's not there. It's not there. Now, people will say, well, look at all the different kinds of dogs there are. That's evolution. No, that's adaptation within kind. Look at all the different kinds of people there are in this room. And you know what? We are all people. How many different races are there? One. There's one race. But there are all different kinds of 
wonderful ethnicities within that one race. And that's God's glorious part of creation that's factored into our DNA. This ability to differentiate within, what do we call it? Differentiation within the species. Okay. But through the millennia, there are simply going to be people. And dogs beget dogs beget dogs. I, I brought this up last time I taught this class, and you, you may know this, forgive me for this point. But if I were to try and specifically breed a particular trait into a dog, to kind of get it, you know, maybe a dog with a really big head and a little small body. Okay, maybe I thought that was really cool. Cute. Or a dog with a, like a sausage-like body with little legs and a cute face, you know. Um, if, if that was your thing. If I tried to breed that into a dog, if I kept trying to breed dogs that looked like that, what would happen to those dogs? They would still be dogs. Would they be healthy dogs or would they be unhealthy dogs? They would be unhealthy dogs. The dogs that are most susceptible to dying early, the dogs that are most susceptible to joint injuries and those kinds of things are purebred dogs. The healthiest dogs, by and large, are mutts. When you try to speciate, you know, keep a consistency within a trait, that leads to what we call inbreeding. And deformities, genetic deformities, that come that way. So you go, well, we're, we're getting better. We just keep breeding. We're going to get better and better. And you go, it doesn't bear out genetically. It doesn't bear out genetically. The healthiest thing is the, the average thing. So, so when you look into Genesis chapter 1, you have to make evolution fit in there. There's not a, a natural place for it. Uh, we didn't talk about that last week, but we're moving into man today. Uh, just a, a, an extraordinary passage, uh, 26 to 31 of, of chapter 1. And verse 26, you, you could... You could philosophize volumes over that verse alone. Uh, Corbin, would you read verse 26, please? Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Good. So he hadn't done it yet. So this is God's plan. This is God's plan. Notice there's, there's a sequence that's continuing here. Then God said. So it is going on. It is after all of that which preceded it. So the creatures are formed. So here it is. The pièce de résistance. The, the cherry on the top of the creation. The last created thing that God will create 
in his six days of creation is man. God said. God said, let us make man in our image. To whom is God speaking? Is he schizophrenic? No. So he's speaking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Some people would uh, might argue that he is speaking to the to the angels. Which can't be right because the angels didn't create. Okay. Okay. Let's let's hypothetically say they were. Okay. What else is wrong with it? Yes, exactly. We're not in the image of angels. There is one being, according to this, within the cosmos that God has revealed is created in his image. Yes. So this is like one of the first snapshots, first hints, other than maybe the, the Spirit of God hovered upon the water, brooded upon the waters. Okay, where you go, oh, why, why that? That's kind of an interesting differentiation back there at the start of Genesis chapter 1. But here you hear of this plurality it should have made the Jew pause go what let us make man let me stop for a minute who said I mean, that's, that's, in the beginning, God, and God said, and God said, verse 6, verse 9, verse 11, verse 14, verse 20, verse 16, verse 17, and God said, and God said, and God said. The word God is what in Hebrew? No. It is. Elohim. More than one. You know what a seraph is? It's an angelic creature. You know what a lot of them are called? Seraphim. Anak was a giant. It is a plurality. In Hebrew, the word for God is El. God reveals himself as Elohim. Hear, O Israel, the Lord Yahweh, your God, Elohim, the Lord Yahweh is one. And you go, what? 
Talk to me, Goose. So in Deuteronomy, when it's saying Yahweh, is it putting those two words together, or is it using only one word, Yahweh, or Elohim? Is, there, is, it, the, is it using both of those words? In Deuteronomy in chapter 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, your God, Yahweh, your Elohim, Yahweh is one. And you have this conception that God is a singularity, but a plurality. Right there in Genesis chapter 1. Who's he talking to? He's talking within the Godhead. That's an extraordinary thing. Lord is Yahweh, our God is Elohim, the Lord Yahweh is one. Yeah. That's I was trying to how to parse it out of the verse. So our God. Did I say differently than that? Did I misspeak? No. Okay. I just I'm a slow wheeler. Okay, no, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Fact check. Fact check. Good. So I mean this is an extraordinary revelation of the living God. And what this implies of this God that before he said, let there be light the first time, was that there was what? Only himself. There was him. And you will hear people speak falsely about God, that God needed someone to love. God needed someone to have fellowship with. Uh-uh. He had great fellowship in eternity past. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Glorious. And how sweet that the living God would see fit to create creatures that could Enjoy him too. What was the reference that you had in Deuteronomy 6? 4. 6 4, I believe. Shema. The Shema. I mean, it is the vaulting, soaring passage. Lord our God is Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do we see in Genesis 1 anywhere uh, the creation of the angels? Getting back to her question, no. You don't, but if you flip over to Exodus chapter 20, and you look at what God says in the creation, or excuse me, in the Ten Commandments, about the Sabbath day. Remember the Sabbath day, verse 8. Exodus 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, your sojourner, and within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and the earth. There again, God seems to think it was six days. but um, The sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Okay? Six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is 
All that is in them. So, is that when he made the angelic host also? Somewhere in that time span. This is, I've, I've mentioned before, beliefs and convictions. Convictions I will die for. Somebody says, deny that, and I go, I can't. You know, they want to hang me, cut my head off, fine. Beliefs, I go, well, I'm, it seems to indicate where I don't have as much of a, there, there's a psalm, forgive me for not having it here with, that talks about the angels, the angelic host, glorying in God at the creation. Okay? And so, but, so did he create the angelic host as just as a crowd? Because football in an empty stadium is really dull. But when you've got a crowd cheering, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. And for God to allow the angelic host to see his glorious plan unfurl. Yeah, I was wondering for argument's sake, when you do have people that would say, perhaps he's talking to the angels. I didn't know if you could say, well, they weren't created yet or whatever. Here are a couple reasons I go, this is not the angels. Right. Let us make man in our image, okay? And again, to make man. He is not calling upon the angelic host anywhere. We get no indication that the angels have any role within creation. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, yes. Elsewhere in creation, the angelic host, ah. Uh-uh. So that would be the, the point on which I would stand. So I would not say he's talking to them at that point. And again, you don't see within Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter 2 any of the angelic host. You don't see anything in the spiritual realm until Genesis chapter 3. So you go, well, they're there by that point. And when we get to Genesis chapter 3, we'll come back to this point and go, when did this happen? Because there's other passages that allude to the fall of the glorious one. Then, who was glorious at one point? He isn't currently. Good. All right. Any, any other questions? I mean, we're like two, four words, five words into uh, verse 26. Okay. Let us make man. The Hebrew word is Adam. Adam. Let us make man, Adam, man, in our image. And he is speaking of what? Humans, humanity. Let us make humanity in our image. We know that because if you go down into verse 27, he differentiates within the creation, male and female, he created them. So, you know, it isn't a sexist statement to refer to us as man. That's That's just what we are. That we decided to go, these guys are man and these guys are woman. Okay. Gals, sorry. <laughs> Ladies. All right. So it's, it's not sexist. It's, it, is, it is the kind. We are, this is the kind that we are. Let us make man in our, there we go again, this plurality, in our image. God says to God, let us make man in our image. Um, 
does that mean, image, in our image? After our likeness. You know, there's, we can we can apply a little logic to things as well, and and not go off roading too far. Always coming back to the word. In in Genesis chapter five verse three, it says, "When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, after his image, and named him Seth." Was Seth exactly like Adam? No. So this word image here in five, chapter five and in chapter one is the same word. Yes. Okay. But God wasn't flesh. How do you know this? His son was flesh. Okay, good. Was his was his son flesh at this point? Uh, no. No. Which is why I always refer to him as God the Son in the Old Testament until he was conceived and Jesus. now we know him as Emmanuel Jesus. Okay. Um so, what, how do you know that God was not flesh? Okay, that's the spirit. Uh, maybe that's just kind of his, his essence. Well, wasn't... Well, say that God walked with him in the garden. Okay. Wasn't Lot visited by the pre-incarnate Lord? The three and two angelic beings as well? We, there's a, Abraham's visited by gentleman who ultimately turns out to be a theopony, a physical manifestation of the living God. But how do we, how can I say with authority that God is spirit? Who said that? Jesus. Sunday school after all. So the answer would be Jesus. Uh, in John 4, 24, as he's talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, you know, those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth, for God is spirit. Uh, John, in writing his gospel and in his epistle, states plainly that no one has seen God. And then you go, well, Ezekiel, or Isaiah said, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne. And the train of his temple filled the room. And you go, what? It says no one has seen God, but Isaiah saw God. What did he see? What did he see? What did he see? Ezekiel, when he had his vision, said, Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. So there was some glorious manifestation of God that Ezekiel in the spiritual realm could note. But for John to declare, no one has seen God, we can take that on gospel authority. That he is spirit. And Adam walked with God in the garden. He knew it was God. So 
okay, so then we're not there yet, but <laughs> am I walking with God? He walked with pure light. Am I walking with the living God? I hope so. I hope I am. You know, I can be a believer and not walk with the living God. But they heard the sound of his approaching and after also, they had sinned. So I think, <clears throat> and you're, the sense in which you walk with the God, with God has to be very different than the sense Okay. I mean, I'm sure there are comparisons. Okay. So... Is the presence of God manifested? It seems to have been manifested somehow, but to say God is spirit and no one has seen God, well, what about the burning bush? It's a burning bush. It's a manifestation of the glory of God. The backside of the Lord when he passed in front of Moses. Yeah. If we are made body, body, mm-hmm. soul, and mm-hmm. spirit, mm-hmm. We are made in his image. He is body, Christ, soul, and spirit. He is now. He is now embodied. Okay? But he wasn't then. He wasn't until he became incarnate. Are there manifestations? Yes, there are manifestations. But to say that God is spirit and nobody has seen God, I go, now I have to... I, I have to abide that. Could you say that no one has seen God in his true form? Like, like in his fullness? In the fullness yes. of his glory? Yeah, to see his to see his We, we know even. that's not completely true because people have seen Jesus and testified to it. Yes. The physical God the Son, the incarnate God the Son. Okay. God in so flesh you've now. Me, you've seen the what? The Father. You've seen the Father. Right. So, so maybe it's the, that completeness when we get to heaven that we're able to see the triune God, the Godhead. I don't know. So that's what's unique in Revelation. Where is the Father in Revelation? I'm not familiar with the Father being anywhere in Revelation. It's mainly the Son. No. The Son is the, the no. light of the, not true. Uh, the bride. Not true. <laughs> God and the Lamb are the light. So you see the Lamb specified, you see the Father specified. It is not, it is not Jesus only. God the Father, God the Father, God the Son came to glorify God the Father. You know, his whole point was the glory of God the Father and submission to God the Father. But a lot of folks think that Christ is the image of God and God is spirit. Therefore, Father is spirit and Christ is the now, you get into what some people will call modality. Well, this is, this is you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're, it's just one. It's just different, just different pictures of him. You know, the, the dove. And, well, in places in Scripture, you see them all three. Somehow manifested. The voice of the Father from heaven, God the Son coming out of the water, and the Spirit descending like a dove. We haven't even gotten into what this means. Then. What, is, what does it mean for man to be created? Yeah, in I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to answer that right now. Good. I think this is a very powerful point when you're talking with, as I do, a lot of evolutionists and secularists, and this is the, one of the, the main differences, I think, or one of the, the unique, unique things I should be able to speak to any human on the earth. But I think the way I would try to 
one, one way I thought to try to characterize it is that uh, the, the way we know that, that humans are created in the image of God is, is the, the degree to, of difference we are to the animals. The, the, un, the unlikeness we are to the animals is moving toward closer to the likeness of God with our conscience, what we create, um, all of the, uh, the idea of right, right and wrong, Arts, music, all okay. these things. These are all moving away right. from the animal host and to something, and that to is God. That's my view. Okay. So we're going to look at the aspects of us that make us like the living God. And it's not, I would say, it's not because he's got two ears and two eyes and a nose and hands. Even though these are spoken of in Scripture. Figures of speech, we call those anthropomorphisms. Okay, uh, this is why also in the Ten Commandments, God says, "You shall not make any graven images of me." Don't make, because you know why? Your image is not even going to. Yeah, it's nothing. You're, you're gonna. You, you may get a a molecule in the cosmos of comprehension within that image and it will it will diminish him so let's let's look at then how is man created man unlike the living god what are what are we not perfect sinless we okay let's we're talking pre-fall okay there is no sin yeah Okay. We're not the omnis. Yeah. Okay, the omnis. Let's talk the omnis. Omnis means all, all what? What are some of the omnis that we are not? Omnipresent. We are not omnipresent. I am very localized. Omnipotent. That's about all, all I can do. So I'm not omnipotent. I'm not all powerful. I can't speak and something comes to be. I do not know what any of you are currently thinking. God does. He knows all of what you are thinking completely, wholly, more than you understand what you're thinking. Does, does not image refer to a soul? Not necessarily. It's, I mean, the animals have a soul, but it's not the same soul as us. Animals are living beings. Yes. Just like we are, but we're not the same living beings. Right. So that's why we're trying to look at, not the animal realm right now, we're looking at how human beings are like God, how the animals are not like God. Okay, so in in the things that we discuss here, these are things, as Joseph kind of highlighted in Arnold's book ending here on both sides of the room, animals are not these things. Animals are alive. They're alive. Can animals have emotion? Yes. To an extent, yes. Yeah. You know, you can see when a dog is pretty excited and happy. You know, you mention the word walk to some dogs and they just, you know, uh, pinging all over the place. So some things that 
God is that we are not. Omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. When we speak, things don't appear. Okay, that would be omnipotent. Um, he is immutable. What does that mean? God, God never had an idea. God never, oh. Or God is never surprised. Oh, whoa, holy cow, I didn't, didn't know that. You know, didn't, didn't, yeah. Poor form. <laughs> you know, I didn't see that coming. Oh, you know, uh, well, uh, I'm going to scrap this whole thing. To a point, but God Himself doesn't change. Yeah, like he, there's there's no retirement age for. for yeah. And He is. I was thinking we are not eternal, though we will live eternally. Yes, excellent. We are not eternal. We are finite in that we had a beginning. There was a time. When you were not in actual existence, Christ or God is like self-existent and self-sufficient, so we need to do that kind of stuff, and then we exist because of Him, as He exists. Good, good. So we are now eternal beings going forward, but there was a point where going backwards we were not. But God is. I am who I am. Yahweh. This eternal existence of the living God. So when was there a time that man was eternal? Because even in the beginning, if they died, they were eternal to go to hell. So. Okay, eternal, Elaine, extends both ways. Before creation. No, it extends. Think of your existence. There was a time when you were born. You're, excuse me, there was a time when you were conceived. The day before that, you did not exist. The the only way you existed was in the knowledge of the living God who knew that on Tuesday you were going to be conceived. I was born on Tuesday. Well, uh, <laughs> when were you conceived? I don't know. I don't know when you were conceived. We're talking conception, not, not the birthday. Okay? Um, so what then, what then is God... That we are like. Um, well, I mean, we can sense right and wrong. Okay, there is a moral consciousness to us. Have you ever seen a jackal with a moral consciousness? Nope. No, they're eat, sleep, make babies. Uh, eat, eat, sleep, make babies. Yep. And eat, sleep, and make babies. Okay? What else is man? Can be compassionate. Okay. Um, like deep emotions. I think relational, like control. Yeah. We already highlighted that there is a sense that animals are emotional too, but there is a level and a grade of human emotion that is different because we sense 
the moral aspect of things, the moral horrors of particular things, and the relational context of issues. To play devil's advocate, Please. or an atheist advocate, uh, Great. The, a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of dog lovers out there, animal lovers, and they would say animals are very relational and like to nuzzle and snuggle. Yep. Uh, and that's one aspect of it. And cats, no, not really. Yeah. Great white sharks, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I love and, uh, and so I think it, we're, we're talking about degrees here. Yes. Um, I, I think our, our capacity for understanding is incredibly more. So the idea that we can, like just the idea that, that we ate from the knowledge of the, the tree of good and evil, there was, a, there was a, a sense of knowledge even before that. We didn't become smarter when we ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But... Uh, and also the idea of purpose, I think. Is, yeah, I'm going to uh, call this self-awareness. You know, you know, the lioness is just going, there's a gazelle. Uh, she's not thinking of her place in the whole ecosystem. She doesn't she care. She's going for the gazelle to feed the babes because that's in her wiring. But we comprehend... First, me, the man in the mirror. That's me. Whoa. And I have relationship then with really everything around me. And we're going to see how this gets absolutely blown to smithereens in a few chapters. Caleb, you wanted to say something? What do you mean by knowing, really quick? Because, like, hypothetically, like a dog, like, once it does something and you discipline, it will then like know that if it does that again, it will get that punishment. Or are you thinking more like outside the box, kind of knowing like we can... Abstract? Yeah, abstract thought. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But invisible, know the invisible. But even concrete thought. Um, and reasoning. An animal can't reason. It can't have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, you know, people people are going to go that far, and you go that is that is going back to Joseph's analogy. That is such a vast difference. What a what an orangutan can do to get a termite out of a log, than what a human being can do by huge degrees. It's like comparing a virus with a orangutan. You just um, we are also aware in this and this of a spiritual void or a spiritual sense that there is more than physicality. For Adam, this wasn't something he had to come to terms with because he walked with God. I mean, it was like, yeah, duh. Of course. Of course this is true. And again, when the cataclysm of chapter 3 hits, man, that comes home in spades for him. But there is a spiritual aspect of that. Um, Joseph mentioned a a number of other things. uh, And Elaine or Katie, the idea of compassion. 
You know, do animals brood over their dead puppy? Yeah, okay, some, some do. But um, you don't often see uh, a, a lion go to take care of that wounded gazelle. Oh, man, your leg looks lame. Oh, that's really a shame. Because <laughs> <laughs> it helps it by putting you out of the misery. You know, you know no, they don't, there, there isn't that compassion. And, but hum, humanity has compassion for the, the underdog, for the infirmed, and that is unlike the animal kingdom. Uh, even across species, uh, often animals eat their own or their mate. Without any sense of guilt, which is the main difference. I mean, we would say you're a, you should be locked up, not just because you did wrong, but you're psychotic if you could kill someone and just keep going. Like, that was my next meal. And you keep acting like an animal. Yeah, exactly. You're not acting like a human anymore. Right. Yeah. Good. I, I was just going to say, I think you probably need to compare yourself to the most intelligent and best of animals and the differences. I mean, of course, I'm not like a goldfish. Like... I just think, I think sometimes if if you're talking with someone who's arguing against you, it doesn't really help your argument for you to. What would what would we say is the most com- comparable creature to humanity? Chimpanzee. Chimpanzee. You know, some of the most barbaric creatures are tribes of chimpanzees. They will go through and waylay, murder destroy other tribes of chimpanzees. Violent. You don't see that on the nature shows. You know, they're, they're cuddling the, their baby and stuff and, oh, and all this. But the warfare between chimpanzees is vicious. Apparently. So, yeah. Communication. How do we communicate? Speech, I mean, words, language. Well, flipper. You know, fl- the, the echolocation in the ocean. Yeah, what, what are they doing? You know, is, is that communication? Yes, of course it is. Do birds communicate? Absolutely. Sure they do. Okay. Do they communicate like this? Yeah, no. 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 They don't. Again, and our, our communication inhabits all of these things at a level that is, that is light years beyond the animal kingdom. If I were to walk up to Corbin and just go, boom, right in the middle of class. I'd have to beat you up. I go, you know, <laughs> would, would you guys go, survival of the fittest, baby. You know, know, as Corbin leaps out of his chair and we we start going hammer and tongs over in the corner. You know, or are you guys going to go, what? What are you doing? You know, as you start ganging up on me to get off and throw me out of the church. Why would you do that? Well, because in this context, you have no reason to punch him. This justice, there's a sense of, you know, this, uh, this moral compass gives us a sense that this has to be balanced. This is wrong. 
I mean, we know that murder is wrong, but that's wrong. Well, then what is the justice to it? How do we take this heinosity and bring it to this? Why is that innate within every human being? Because the living God is just and righteous in all of his ways. And doesn't it say that he has written his law on our hearts? It doesn't say that of the animals, but it does of man. No. Verse 26. Still. Still. In verse 20. We're not going to get out of verse 26 today. That's okay. Um, but justice under moral there. Like a sense of morality. Yes. A sense of justice. Yes. You know, we understand the right and wrong, but we also understand that there's got to be a balance in this. Um, man, I really, really wanted to get into the idea of male and female with the teens in here today. really did, because this is really important and relevant in our discussion, but we're not going to get there today in five minutes and give it the treatment it deserves. Um, might encourage Brian to have you guys come over here next week, but that's uh, neither here nor there. Uh, dominion. God gave man dominion. Let them have dominion over what? In verse 26. The livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Everything, basically. Okay, good. A man walking in Africa in the bush will not get attacked by a lion and be eaten? In this fallen world? No. No. <laughs> Fool. No. You know, back in verse 26, it isn't just the, the things on the earth. The fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens. We have dominion over Tree. octopus. You know, and and the sharks. We have dominion over the sharks. What is what does that mean to have dominion over something? We have authority over control. We have control. Why do I have control over the critters? They're not, you're right, but why, why do I have authority over them? Because God said it. God said so. The ones he created in his image, God said, you have dominion. Do I have any authority over the critters if God doesn't say this? No. I can't say that. But God has given man dominion. Probably the best word for us to grasp this role that we have is stewardship. This is not my planet. This is God's planet. God created this planet. Why did he create this planet? For us to have a place. And he created this place extraordinary. And God 
has given those created in his image the authority, he has delegated that authority to us to have dominion, stewardship over all of the critters. And we'll see a little bit later, and the whole earth. Not just the critters, but the earth as well. That means the minerals in the soil. That means the trees. That means bacteria and the fungi. Everything. Everything. We have dominion. What does that mean? We'll talk about that next week when we get into this a little bit deeper. God has given us a lot so it may be pleasurable, enjoyable. That's why we... We can all say it's a great morning. The sun came up. Look at the sun. Look at the geese at Sock Center a parking lot this morning that Debbie and I saw. Canadian geese in the parking lot. <laughs> you know, the parking. They're just there honking. We're going, like, and they're loud. We got donuts. Beautiful. Donuts. Yeah. Donuts. And, and coffee and orange juice and a touch and colors. But we're going to live this life in recognition of who the creator is, and we're just the clay. We are the stewards. We have a limited time here, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Enjoy it. Worship me. Know me. I will make my home with you. The implications of this are profound. Because as we get into this, Next week, when we look at male and female, we're also going to look at this stewardship that we have and what happens when we start to make the earth the God and not God the God. When earth becomes much and man becomes small. There. And you see man diminished and destroyed. All right. Any other thoughts on, uh, on this lesson? I don't do social media much, but uh, I saw on uh, somewhere there's a, I'm assuming it's a textbook, it may not be, but it's entitled Your Child's uh, First Book on Evolution, and it's just now, I think, coming out, so it'll be something you won't want to buy for your kids. <laughs> <laughs>